Well, it's good to be back. My wife and I were gone for a couple Sundays, and before I left town, I met with some of the key leaders in our whole remodeling and completely redoing the children and youth environments. And I double-checked, probably for my own, my, my own, my own sense of uh, security, I checked with them, okay, I'm leaving. Um, are we still on track with grand opening on November 26th? And time and time again, I heard, oh, yep, thumbs up, we're looking great. I came back, and I came back last Monday night, so early Tuesday morning. I came here pretty early, and I walked around the, the construction area, and I knew right away, uh-oh, uh-oh, and found out, no, there's no way we can have grand opening. A bunch of things happened outside of our control, and to be honest, I was, I was ticked, all right? So just keep that between you and I. Um, but yes, God is sovereign. God's in control. Um, but... You know, it's, it's, we didn't want to have, we couldn't do a grand opening. And somebody said, well, let's do a soft opening. I went, no. No, it needs to be grand opening. So, so because of holidays now, um, it's going to be, we get to have a grand opening the first Sunday in January. Okay? First Sunday in January. <clears throat> now, if you've ever been a part of uh, uh, like building a home as, as a family or remodeling your home, uh, a wise contractor would ask the question is how solid is your marriage? How solid is your family relationships? And because it, it'll bring out the worst in you. And it was about just over a year ago that our staff began to move offices, move out of areas, putting things in storage, revamping how to do their ministries. That was over a year ago. And let me just encourage you that that our staff is solid, but they have, they're weary. They're weary. And so I'm asking you to, to, to pray for them, encourage them. If you know some of them, um, email them, bless them. Because here's, here's what's also going on. Not only are they, are they kind of feeling the strain of all the changes and hopes up and down and tweaking and this and that. But almost every single person on our staff outside of ministry is going through some really challenging things. Physically, health-wise, financially, relationally, you know, somewhere at a funeral, you know, that's past week. It's been one thing after the next. So on last Tuesday, our all staff, I just wanted to remind them, do not forget and do not be unaware of Satan's schemes. Because as we've been remodeling our church has been growing, and, and we're seeing salvations and baptisms, and, and we're excited. God's at work, but Satan is not happy. So please pray for our staff, our team. If you have an opportunity, you know them, you can encourage them, please do so. I was supposed to encourage you to move in. We have people that want, need chairs, um, so you can do the bun shuffle if you, if you can. But uh, please pray for our staff. How many of you know, and you've got to be honest because you are in church, <clears throat> And we do have cameras. Um, how many of you know of someone, married to someone, live with someone, related to someone, or work with someone who is very opinionated? Can I see your hands? Can I see? Don't point. Don't point. Guarantee that someone raised their hand and they were thinking of you. Okay. Because we all have opinions, we all have preferences, we all have viewpoints, and we all think we're right. So I'm going to 
have fun with, I'm going to give you several scenarios on the TV here, and I want to hear from you of where you land on these issues, okay? And again, we're going to have some fun with this. I want to hear from you. I mean, literally hear from you. You can cheer, you can clap, you can grunt, you can whatever, um, but no booing the other side, okay? All right. So how many of you are Coke people? Anybody Coke people? Coke products? Okay. How about Pepsi products? Okay. All right. I'm a Dr. Pepper guy. There's not either one of them, but that's just, that's just me, and, and I'm right. Um, I, each one of these, we're going to get a little closer, a little more intense, all right? All right, how, uh, Chick-fil-A people, Chick-fil-A, okay, okay, in and out people, people from the South, people from California, Arizona, okay, and my answer is yes, and I believe it's God's will that one comes in Kitsap County, by the way. All right, now, now we're really going to amp it up. Who are the Apple people here? Who are the Apple people? Okay, all right, uh, Microsoft people. Thanks for being so demonstrative, Gabe. Good to see you. I'm glad you're out of the hospital. All right, love you, buddy. All right, uh, now be very careful how you answer this next question. And we do have cameras. Seahawks. 49ers. Some of you booed. You are so outside of God's will right now. <laughs> By the way, some of you will receive letters in the mail saying you can no longer attend Grace Point. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. All right, now with this whole steak and potatoes things now, there's variety, all right? How many of you are way over here, the rare, you like your meat well, I mean rare. Like the cow is still mooing. The cow is still mooing and moving. Okay, how about medium rare? You like them a little bit dead, okay? How many of you uh, medium? Okay, because you can't make a decision. All right, um, medium well, any medium well? Okay, and how many of you are just well done? Give me well done. Isn't it funny when it comes to steak, how people are so strong, like, how could you even think of eating this thing? It's, it's not even dead yet. They're like, yeah, but you just destroyed, you know, the meat. <laughs> strong opinions. It's easy for us to feel so strong about so many different things. And sadly, in our culture today, that people feel so strongly about any and everything that they can shame, shun, and cancel people, including friends and family members, if they don't agree with what this person agrees with. It is like on steroids today. And sadly, it is also in the church. Now today, I'm going to talk to Christians in this, in this series, and I do this all the time. Um, I always realize there's, there's believers and not, and not believers yet who are attending. And I'm going to tell you that I believe if, if more churches and more Christians would get their act straight and get more scriptural in how they treat other people that they disagree with, that that might be a little more appealing for the people on the outside of faith looking in, looking at a bunch of Christians and churches fighting amongst themselves to our shame, to our shame. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're, you're, you're like, man, I came on a perfect Sunday, all right? And so then we're going to talk to believers today. 
we're continuing in this, uh, we're kind of landing the plane next week, but we're kind of nearing the end of the series, going through Romans, understanding the nature of God, the teachings of who God is, his judgments, his decrees, but also his good news, his gospel. But then, you know, about halfway in, it changes to Paul's talking to Christians, saying, now this is how to live. This is how to live out the life and the freedom that God gave you with the gospel. Last week, Pastor TJ did a fantastic job talking about in chapter 13, here's how to respond to authority over you that you don't like or agree with. The Bible has answers. Again, if more Christians would do that, our testimony would be better. That was fantastic. You can go online and watch that or listen to that if you were not here. Today, we're going to talk about how to deal with people that have a different viewpoint than you do. They draw their line on that issue different than you. How should you respond to that? Here's the central point if you're taking notes. If it comes, comes to fighting, yeah, Romans 14, that's where we're at. Central point is this. For churches, we need to fight for peace and fight for encouragement and fight for genuine worship. Again, if we get peace and encouragement right in a, in a church body, there's going to be genuine worship and praising of God. So we're going to unpack that here in, in, for, in Romans chapter 14. Most churches blow up or become toxic over disputable issues, preferences, not key doctrine that's going to, you know, alter someone's eternity. It's issues that are disputable, disputable issues. So I'm going to read 1 through 13 and then unpack this section. Verse 1, Paul says to believers, accept those whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. Don't miss this. For God has accepted them. Yes, God has accepted both of them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? Meaning they don't answer to you, by the way, to their own master, servants stand and fall. They will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person, another issue, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whatever, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Verse 10, you then, talking to Christians, why do you judge your brother and sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. 
It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Brother or sister. So the issues then are different than they are today. But conflict remains. In fact, whenever there's uh, immaturity, conflicts will prosper. But the issues then were over meat. Same issue that Paul addressed in 1 Corinthians. We went through that book earlier this, this year, and he addressed it then. They were fighting over the meat. Now, what it was, if you're new to Bible study, is they would, in that culture, go to, and many times the, the, the pagan temples were like the local restaurants, and they would go there and purchase meat that were offered unto idols. And some believers are like, oh, I could never eat that meat. And other Christians are like, that's not a real God. And I'm getting a really good price for that meat. I don't have a problem with it. That's a fake God. And, and Paul was like, God accepts both. Because God knows our, their hearts. So it was over meat and also days. This day is more holy. And somebody goes, they're all holy. They're all special. So those were their issues. Today in the church, here are some of the main issues that divide churches, music, teaching style, ministry programs. So people line up on different aisles over those disputable issues. And some people go, oh, that's not a dispute. That's just a main, main thing. Well, most of the time it is not a main thing. So let's back up. Look at verse 1 here on the screen. Paul, this is his challenge to us as believers. He's like, accept the one who's different than you, okay? Who's not in the same spot as you are. Accept them without quarreling over disputable issues. Issues in light of eternity don't matter that much. Accept them. Now here's, I got to explain this in our culture today. Acceptance doesn't mean agreement. Christians, this is also applies for us too. Acceptance doesn't mean agreement. In fact, in the Greek, there's two beautiful uh, descriptive definitions of what does accept someone mean. It, it means to welcome and receive as one's companion. Be their friend. It's okay. You need to be their friend, although they, you guys differ on certain things. It also means to grant access to one's heart. Be their friend and love them. What, doesn't that sound like something Jesus would tell people to do? Yeah, you disagree on certain things. You think this is really important. Now somebody goes, no, it's not that important. What? I can't believe. Back and forth, back and forth. Be their friend and love them. That is pleasing to the Lord. The problem today is the problem the same in the early first church. It's something I grew up with. It's called legalism. Legalism. Legalism is spiritualizing someone's preferences or opinions. And because we spiritualize that that means that, you know what, I have the right view and God agrees with me. 
And because you have a different view, obviously you are not following the Lord like I am. That is toxic. That is not from God. That is not from God. If you cannot give chapter and verse, you know, it's pretty much an opinion, a viewpoint, a preference, not that big of a deal. Not that big of a deal. Let's look at verse 7. Don't miss this. We can just run right past this. It says, bosses, by the way, for none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. Let me break this apart. Do you really like being around someone who all they do is live for themselves alone? No, they're not fun people to be around. They're selfish. It's all about them. They're living for themselves alone. And then when someone dies for themselves alone, they are so isolated, isolated, that that you've lost friendships over disputable issues. That is sad. There's family relationships that have been severed over disputable issues. Paul's like, stop that. Accept them who think different than you on the disputable matters. Accept them and love them. Accept them and love them. Now he says, here's what I want you to do. Jump over to verse 19. Paul says this, let us therefore, same context of these situations, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Now, I mean, right there is that's our, part of our central point is we need, if we're going to fight over an issue, it needs to be over the issue of peace. Do whatever it takes, work at being in, in peace with one another. And also fight for mutual edification. That's encouragement. There's so many things we can criticize. Look for what's encouraging in the body of Christ, in the youth group, in your life group, in the church. We need to fight for let's be together on the same page. Are we going to agree about everything? No, it's impossible. How many marriages out there you 100% agree with your spouse? Zero, right? And if you're both exactly alike, one of you is unnecessary. A healthy marriage brings balance. They're different people, but they come together and they compromise over things that really don't matter. The ones that have a problem is they fight over the stupidest things. And that's the same principle in churches. Let's fight for peace. Let's fight for encouragement. We've got to dig through what, what can we encourage someone in the body of Christ for. When I was a youth pastor here in the 90s, about halfway during my nine-year nine year run here as a youth pastor, uh, the youth group was exploding. It was, it was, it was take, it was, everything was going fantastic. We, had a, a, we started with a group of church kids who all hated each other, and, and they began to get their eyes off themselves, and all of a sudden they're inviting their friends from Ole and CK and North and South and um, Bremerton and, and then Clahalia, and it was just exploding. And, and we had a retired pastor and wife who were really involved in our church, the sweetest people, um, and, and, and one day in the spring, uh, our, our big gathering was at that time on Sunday mornings, and we had, we had teenagers 
you know, crawling all over this building. And one day, outside of the youth area, the, the music in the youth room was just bumping. It was loud because that's what you do. And, and they're hanging out and they're talking. And, the, and retired pastor Gordon Hagen comes up to me. And he puts his arm around me and he says, I'll not, never forget this. He goes, Barry, I can't stand your music. <laughs> but I love what you're doing. See, that's a mature Christian right there. Yeah, I don't like that. But he saw the bigger picture. He saw changed lives happening all over the place. So as a, as a youth pastor, you know, you get criticized and stuff over the dumbest things. He breathed life into me. I'm like, yeah, I don't like that. But I see what God is doing. And he applauded it. See, that's spiritual maturity there. So in verse 20... I'm going to pause on here. He says, Paul says, don't destroy the work of God for the sake of, and then we can just fill in the blank. We don't have to deal with meat. Hopefully we don't have to. Um, or days of the week. But we have a lot we can fill in here. We could all have opinions, and I'll tell you what to do with those later. I'm going to, that came out wrong. Um, <laughs> the Bible does say something about it. I'll talk about that later. Keep the main issues the main issues. Don't allow to be, don't yourself to be used by the enemy to destroy what God's doing. Over an opinion, a preference, a point of view, a, oh, I had this in my church growing up and I really wish we would have it down and I'm going to, today, and I'm going to make sure that it happens so I'm happy. Don't destroy the work that God is doing for the sake of those issues. Now, I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit. And I prayed about this. There's several things I really prayed about because I, I, for the first 14 years of ministry, I said what I wanted to say using God's word. And he convicted me of that in 2001. So I really, really prayed about this. There is someone on our staff who receives more criticism, complaints, and critiques than our entire staff put together. And these criticisms and critiques and complaints happen almost every week. And that's our worship leader, Nash. And he had no idea I was going to say this. And I wasn't going to ask him because he probably said, oh, please don't talk about this. So I didn't ask. <laughs> but I wanted, I want to pull back the curtains. And I want you to hear from my heart that Nash is doing exactly what I've asked him to do. Here's what I've asked him to do. <clears throat> I've asked Nash to do the same thing that I do when it comes to teaching God's word. I seek God all the time, multiple times during the week of God, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to focus on? I said, I want you to do that with, with our worship. I want you to pray. I want you to, here's, what, here's my directions. Seek God's direction for every worship gathering. And he takes that seriously. He prays about every service and the planning of it. And every time he has a new song, he doesn't just throw it in because it sounds cool. He looks at it and makes sure, does these lyrics line up with Scripture? 
And if they don't, he doesn't use it. Amen. Thank you. And then he prays some more. And I appreciate Nash's that he loves planning in advance, which is helpful for really anybody, a part of the service, especially his team. And there's times when he's weeks out and then there's, there's nothing planned or there's only one song that's in the, on the kind of the production uh, sheet. And, and his heart is constantly, man, I keep praying about this service. I don't have peace yet about what God wants, what songs God wants and how it fits together and the story God wants us to tell on that morning. That's exactly what I want him to do. He takes it seriously. So my pastoral challenge to Graceborn Church, pray more, encourage more, and stop complaining to him. Okay? I, I ask, I say these with love in my heart. Because what I face all the time is less now, especially when I was a new lead pastor. I got so many, you know, you really need to teach this. And you really teach this way. This is the style you need. You need to do this. And my comeback was, and really, in all honesty, is like, thank you for your opinion. But I, I pray and ask God for what he wants me to teach on. So you should pray for me so that God would lead in my life. Because I am serving an audience of one. And, and my wife, too. Um, you know, and I'm so grateful that we have a worship leader who takes it seriously when it comes to our, our worship services. So, and like I said, when we went kind of with the same issue with 1 Corinthians, I think we should sing How Great They Are every Sunday. So what I did this morning, on my Spotify, guess what I listened to? So I'm also going to share, share this. Uh, Grace Point, we have lots of distractions. Uh, you'd be amazed at how many call, phone calls and emails us pastors get. Of, hey, you guys should do this. Can we do that? Can we do this? So we have really a very clear focus. We can do focus on lots of things, but a very clear focus. And it all comes down to when we gather like this, even the youth group, is worship and the word. That's our focus. Do we do other things? Yeah, but those are our main focus. Now, I'm going to share with you what I've never gone public until last service, that I've shared with our team, certain members of our team, of I also have very clear primary targets, all right? Because if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time, all right? So you may, you may disagree with what I'm about to say. Like, I, I, can't, I can't believe you have that as your primary target. If you disagree, um, I would love to hear from you. Email me at kevin at gracepointkitsap.com. Okay. All right. But my primary focus right here is a 35-year-old man. Because if there's one request that I receive more often with more emotion is from Wives praying that their husband would come to church. And then, we, oh, my goodness, he's come. Oh, I want him to come back, and I want him to learn. I want him to either come to faith or come back to faith. And there's so much power 
that if God reaches a 35-year-old man, the ripple effect is everywhere. That d- this doesn't mean I don't care about women. doesn't mean I don't care about teenagers. They, most of them know I do. You know, it doesn't mean I don't care about grandparents. The cool thing is, is God's word covers everybody. But I, again, this is me. I focus um, what God wants him to say, but the illustrations that I use, even the words and the language, and even the gestures that I, I make with my hands, I think of a 35-year-old man that I'm praying that God would have them here and they would hear and understand God's word and God would start moving in their life. So I say that to share with you that when my mom was alive about four years ago, she was still here, faithful, come to our services, um, it was a blessing to have my mom around. But let me tell you this. My mom was a very opinionated woman. She loved God. She was godly. But she had lots of strong opinions. And I would tell my mom, Mom, you also have a PhD in guilt tripping. <clears throat> your children. Like, what? I'm like, yes. Because you, you want your opinion so much on all of us. And she would deny it. And I'm like, Mom, you're just in denial. She goes, that's a river in Egypt. <clears throat> she had all kinds of phrases. And one day we were driving on 303, and she starts complaining. I don't like this about the music. I don't like that. You need to do this. You need to fix this. You need to do this more. And I'm just driving. And I'm like, I'm going to respond. Lord, help me. And I said, Mom. I love you, but I'm not aiming at 80-year-olds. I said that to my mom. <laughs> then I began to fast and meditate for her response. And there was an awkward silence. And then she said this. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And my mom never complained again. Our church is blessed. We're, we, we, there's things going on here that's not normal, and we're just praising God for it. Keep telling our staff, don't take any credit for it, because then God will stop. God's blessed us in a number of ways. One, we have almost every, we have, not almost, we have every single generation that's alive today at Graceborn Church. And the numbers are like, from millennials down is a third, from middle age is a third, and 65 and older is a third. That is not normal. We keep praising God for that. But we are blessed because we do have a number of mature Christians who are like Gord Hagen and my mom, that they have opinions like, you know what, I don't like this at Grace Point. But I love what God's doing. That's, that's their mentality. That's a mature response. You know what, I don't like this. But I lo- I'm, I'm going to focus on what God is doing. And that is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But I have strong opinions. What do I do for them? Do with them. Glad you asked. Verse 22 says this. Paul says, so whatever you believe about fill in the blank, keep between yourself and God. There you go. For your notes. You have strong opinions? Great. Talk to the Lord about it. Tell the Lord. Now, I say that flippantly, but I'm also, I'm, I'm very serious 
I want to teach and lead the way God wants. He is the senior pastor here. I just, I listen to him and go with it. Even when there's, seriously, there are messages and series I don't want to preach. But I'm doing them because that's what, the way the Lord lead me. I need your prayers. Nash needs your prayers. Other le ministry leaders need your prayers. Instead of complaining, criticizing, and being used by the enemy to try to destroy what God is doing here, take those opinions based upon what Paul said to the Lord. To the Lord. Jump over to chapter 15, a little long. Verse 5, same context, same situation. Paul's saying this to people who disagree on different things. He says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. That's where the genuine worship comes in. That we're going to focus on, we're going to be together, we're going to fight for peace, we're going to fight for encouragement, I'm going to look for encouragement, I'm going to give encouragement. And doing that, we're also, that all of us are going to be giving genuine worship. Okay, we can all agree, we're in agreement with the mission and vision God has given us, even though we think differently how to get there. We can be in agreement. We can, we can give acceptance, although we don't, you know, not all in the same place. We can, you know, be, be giving God-centered worship even with the style is not your own or the song. Like, I don't really dig that song. But if you would focus on the lyrics and the message of, of God and the truth of God, you can indeed worship. Depends where your focus is. God is blessing grace point. It's for his glory. But Satan is not happy. And he's going to try to, how can I divide our youth group and divide our church and mess up life groups? Don't let him. Don't let him fight for peace, encouragement, and genuine worship. I'll finish this end next week. How's that? Would you pray with me? God, thank you for Paul. Thank you for his honesty, talking directly to believers and how they treat each other when they disagree. Lord, may we, as grace born here, may we follow and obey your word. May your hand of blessing continue, that your protection would also continue. May the believers in this room fight for peace and, and encouragement so that we have genuine worship here. Although we're so different, may you continue to smile upon us as we live this passage out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.